0: Welcome to the first ever Zero to 1,000 podcast where each week we're going to invite special guests onto the show to talk on the topic of success. There'll be entrepreneurs, sports superstars, doctors, life coaches, and anyone who can contribute to the subject of success. Our first guest ever is a guy I have known for quite some time. He's a superstar in the business world. He won the Gold Coast Entrepreneur of the Year in 2017. He owns several businesses, including ISR, training, which trains salespeople to be absolutely lethal. He's a top bloke, enjoys losing to me at golf, (laughs) and he's here to drop some truth on your asses. His name is Jack Corbett. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So thanks for coming along. No problems at all. Cool, man. So first off, I want to get a bit of history about who you are and, and how it all started. So take us back to when you were a kid and where you grew up and who you hung out with and your family, let's, let's go back to there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, anybody who knows me, and I'm hoping some people listening to this will, um, I'm a big, big family man, but um, family life started for me in a place called Birmingham um, in the UK, or just outside a, a sort of sub city to the second biggest city in the UK called Worcester, or Worcestershire. Yeah. Um, I grew up on housing commission, so yeah, right. um, grew up relatively humbly raised, um, part of a pretty big family. So my mother is um, Southern Irish, um, Catholic family. So she's got 11 brothers and sisters. Um, I'm born into a family where I'm one of four, um, but I also have a half brother and sister. So we're one of six um, in total. And growing up was really about a street mentality, to be honest. You know, I was kind of, we had a... Rule in our house, which was unlike most families, where as soon as it got dark, you had to come in. Um, yeah. We were the other way around. We just weren't allowed to come in until it was dark. <laughs> yeah. So, um, constantly outdoors, grew up on parks, playing sport, generally getting myself into situations that weren't always overly beneficial. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't change that. You know, mm. so grew up always trying to make ends meet and um, yeah. just
0: knowing that family came first. And so, uh, knowing you, that's probably where some of the resilience. For sure, for sure, definitely. Um, If you want something in life,
1: go and get it, you know? Kind of had that mentality, take something or have nothing, and it stayed that simple for me most of the time. Fantastic. Tell me about school. Um, School wasn't my favourite place to be. Um, I unfortunately suffer from an attention deficiency. Um, Mm -hmm. I do fall on, although on the mild side, I do fall on something called the Asperger's scale, so... Um, Sitting still, even whilst I'm talking to you today, (laughs) sitting still, sitting in one space, even sitting down, is not something that I do very well. Um, I vibrate at a very high frequency. And although I always had a level of intellect, I'm not sure where it came from, but I always had a level of intellect and an ability to acquire information, and retain it. Sitting, learning about the Crimean War of 1854, or the capital of, Sudan, like those things just didn't interest me at the time.
0: So you were a good learner at stuff you had interest in.
1: For sure. And for me, I was most interested in things I could touch and I could feel. So um, although I've never really been a manly man and done trades, even when it was cooking, um, woodwork, metalwork, but mostly sport, if I could play it, especially if there was a level of competition, if I could win at it, um, it gained my interest, which is why the only subject I really did enjoy was numbers and mathematics (laughs) because... I could always win at finding the answer quickest, so therefore I could be the best in a class. (laughs) I don't know how you can be the best at understanding a war or a Greek
0: god. It's interesting because we got very similar, uh, the schooling side of things were very similar. I was only good at two subjects, which was sport and hospitality. Wow, yeah, yeah, cool. Got A's in both those things, but the rest of it I sucked. I just had no interest. Mathematics, I was reasonably good. But But, um, I'm
1: also growing up, because I was always overweight, um, I was all like a little bit past the point where you're just a bit chubby i was i was one of the bigger people in my school yeah so what comes with that is people that want to poke fun at you and because of the background we come from which is you know kill or be killed defend yourself at all times my father boxed for a lot of years yeah i started to walk into a lot of physical confrontation um combine that with a disengagement in class and Mm. that's what led me i first got kicked out of school when i was 14 years of age Um, i spent the next nine months not going to school i actually started my own business Started wholesale and confectionery from the United States. Mm-hmm. Was allowed to go back to what we call in the UK a Prue School, which okay. is a school for people of kids that have been um, evicted from another learning institution. Yeah. Um, I lasted four and a half months there. Um, I just, I didn't want to be there. I yeah. was going because I, it was what my mother wanted, not what I wanted. Yeah. It was highly disruptive from day one, yeah. um, and I was walking to an ine- inevitable end which was being asked to leave that school as well. Yeah. Um, so at 15, that's when I kind of decided that um, having a career and starting yeah. my own businesses was where my true calling mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. Um, and education to me yeah. at that point in my life just wasn't yeah.
0: important. So what did you do from there? What was what was the next steps from when you're 15 years old and you're yeah. not going to school? What happens yeah. then?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to make money. Yeah. Um, so I realized that no one in my family had money. No one had yeah. ever owned a home. Um, You know, my older siblings were already walking down the same path of mediocrity that my parents had existed in for a long, long time and I decided that if I could either procreate um, Mm -hmm. by building a product or service or alternatively I could broker or retail an existing product or service on behalf of an organization then I'd have control of my own income um i knew that if i could make a million pounds um Mm -hmm. then i could change the lives of pretty much every person in my immediate family by helping them to either buy their first houses start businesses pay for their tertiary education so on and so forth so um that just became my mission from that day was just how can i create abundance yeah
0: yeah and and so what did you actually do at that point you came to australia at some point when was when was that I moved to Australia um,
1: three days before my nineteenth birthday.
0: Right. Um, so
1: I was actually coming over to visit my brother. Um, at that time, I'd been wholesaling confectionery. So, mm-hmm. long story cut quite short. In two thousand and six, um, Jamie Oliver executes a petition in the British Parliament where no products that are high in saturated fat or sugar can be sold inside public schools anymore. Right. Um, so chocolates, yeah. you know, lollies. We call them sweets, but lollies. Yeah. Um, Donuts, biscuits—nothing of this nature can be sold inside schools anymore. You yeah. can't buy Coca-Cola, Sprite, Fanta, nothing. So I decided to start a supply chain amongst schools in my city. Um, started employing staff. Um, I pay some reference, Jack Godwin, actually yes. Saunders. You know, people that came and started to. Retail my products that I was buying at a wholesale rate. Um, so in essence, we were a mobile tuck shop. Yeah. Little bit black market because yeah. obviously um, at the time we were not supposed to be selling them in the institutions that we were, um, and yeah. that was irrelevant to me at the yeah. time. <laughs>
0: it's all about money. Yeah, for sure.
1: And um, I mean, I'd managed to save up, and I had about um, maybe ten thousand pounds, which was mm-hmm. about 17,000 Australian dollars. My brother was living here on the Gold Coast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I came over on a four-week holiday. I reckon within forty eight hours of arriving I knew I was never gonna leave. And yeah. that was um, on in June, so in all of about two weeks' time, that was eight years. I've been yeah. here for eight years now. Well, yeah.
0: And and what have you done in that eight years? Let's let's go from when you arrived. You have had a few businesses. I've know you've had some success in a couple of earlier businesses, yep. plus your own. You sold a business price. So let's sure. maybe maybe let's fast forward to that point where you, where you had your your previous business and you sold it and yeah
1: yeah so i I arrive here just as a normal backpacker like anybody else i've got a one-year working holiday visa and i'm keen to just earn some money it doesn't matter what that involves doing um i start off with a couple of jobs where i'm selling products that are not really aligned with me emotionally like i'm doing it because i'm getting paid to do it but i'm not doing it because i want to wake up in the morning and i want to sell advertising space or i want to sell gutters you know that's just it just wasn't my kick um, but I managed to land into a role with a company that was very much in startup they only had two staff members I was the third ever staff member and it was in the solar power industry oh. really fortunate at that time that the business invests in bringing on board um, Jordan Belfort the, oh, the, the, the wolf right. of yeah. Wall Street um, look lots of things about that gentleman don't align with me from a moral and ethical standpoint mm-hmm. but from a knowing how to cut up deals yeah. and close transactions, you yeah. know, there's very few that uh, would hold the same skill set that yeah. you would, so I get exposed to that. Um, I grow to be team leader, then sales manager, and then at 19 years of age, I'm the general manager um, of a million dollar a week solar power company, so yeah, right. um, I've recruited, trained, I'm managing and leading, I'm a team of 45, mm-hmm. um, we're doing about a million a week, yeah. um, I'm getting, in total, 0.75% rip of that, so I'm yeah. 19.
0: Yeah.
1: Including my, my base wage, I'm earning about 450, yeah. nearly half a million a year. Um, and that's when my whole perception of my own capabilities, but also life. Life has now changed, because when, I think when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at physically change, and I'm all of a sudden, I'm not looking at 1 million. 1 yeah. million doesn't excite me anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing that made in a week. Yeah. Um, so, I end up franchising that business um, in essence i I outgrow the company um, the company becomes very dependent on me yeah I start to develop some jealousy that I feel like I'm doing the you know the vast majority of the work yeah but I'm only walking away with a small portion of the revenue mm. so I set up a new arrangement, um, I build my own franchise using their brand um I have that operating out of Orchid Avenue, Mm Surfers Paradise here Mm -hmm. on the Gold Coast, but then I also set up and run concurrently in the UK. So my my big brother Jimmy Joe runs my UK office, I run my Australian office, um, and over a period of about 18 months we run that business. Unfortunately the Australian government made a change and the incentives that were available to the consumer were no longer as attractive. And now the arrangement I had with the business was also not as attractive to me, so at that point we decide to shut up shop, Mm -hmm. we take all of the team, we set up a new business, which is a software white labeling company. It was an auditing program that would allow people who had a self-managed superannuation fund, which was, this is 2013, this is just starting to become like it's on the tip of everybody's tongue, it's the new way to create wealth we've created a really efficient piece of software that minimizes the time and therefore the expense of the auditing process. Yeah. Um, develop that business, we're, we're not a million a week, we're probably a million a month, yeah. gross revenue, um, and then I get to the position again, it's probably that ADD, yeah. I'm two years into it, my passion is dwindling, I'm yeah. turning up later, I'm leaving earlier, Yeah. I'm not taking pride in my appearance, I'm not yeah. training the team the way that I used to, Yeah. Um, and I've got super comfortable, and, um, had a, an offer for the business opportunity to sell yeah. the company for an amount of money i'd never seen before yeah. in my life you know <laughs> so um i consider myself to be a world-class negotiator yeah. that was the worst i've ever negotiated <laughs> ever they yeah. offered me a price i said write that number on a check yeah put my name on it and i'll then shake your take it out today <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i probably walk out of there about four or five hundred grand light and what i should yeah. and could have taken but um we live we learn you yeah. know i was 22 at the yeah. time
0: and then um, what did you do? So you took this big chunk of money, and did yep. you did you reinvest that into another business, or did you go on a big holiday, or buy cars and watches? And yeah, and
1: a couple of bits, a few bits of that. So you know, a few luxury goods for myself, yeah. upgrade the car, um, yeah. but by my, my car I'd always dreamt of having. Um, I wrote it off seventeen days later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was but, it? What's it? Uh, it was a BMW M3. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, A little bit. I'm not a great driver. I can admit that. I'm really not a great driver, and um, it was just too fast. It was just way too fast for me. I couldn't control it, and um, unfortunately, I lost it in the in the rain. It was a wet day, and I I lost it and I rode it off. but bought mum's house. Um, yeah, obviously, grew up, on, grew up on housing commission. Um, bought my mum's house from the government for her um, yeah. at a heavily discounted price. That was one of my ten major life goals: was to purchase my mother a house. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be the house we grew up in. I yeah. assume she would have wanted something a bit better. Yeah. <laughs> but um, my mum's a woman of
0: routine. Yeah. Um, you know, true. doesn't probably know anything else either. No, so, you yeah. know,
1: like we've got set ways yeah. um, we've been in, she's been in that house for 30 years mm. um, everything that's comfortable and is familiar to her is there so um, yeah making that decision
0: was, was yeah. something that was how'd that make you feel buying your mum at the house that she's been uh, living that would have been pretty it's pretty amazing, amazing yeah, yeah.
1: It's, it's euphoric I don't have yeah. children um, mm. but I could probably only compare that to the feeling I think somebody would have when they Hold their child for the mm. first time. Mm. My mother is my first true love. Yeah, um, she's my best friend. She's yeah. the light of my life. Yeah, um, first person I ever bought a Valentine's Day card for. Yeah, first, right. <laughs> first person I ever bought a rose for. Um, some people used to kind of my mates would take the piss, and it's almost like yeah. I'm I'm obsessed with her. But I was. Yeah, um, she taught me so much that's got me to where I yeah. am today in terms of the character types necessary yeah. to be successful. So, yeah. Um, that was amazing. I mean, bought my own house, um, which was great, and then round the world trip. Um, mm-hmm. I really, for the next nine months, become obsessed with behavioral sciences, neurolinguistic yeah. programming, um, communication, mm-hmm. tonality, body language. Yeah. Um, becomes an obsession. Yeah. Um, and sp- again, maybe because of the syndromes I deal mm-hmm. with, when I when I focus on something, I'm all in, or I'm all out. Yeah. So. When you give me a taste of something, I want to know it all. Um, so for the next nine months, I basically obsess over that. And then in the November of the 2014, as a 23 year old, um, I start ISR training. Yeah, cool. Um,
0: and what's ISR now? Yeah, I know it was it was in recruitment and yep. train. Now it's more in the sales training yeah, side of yeah, things. Yeah,
1: for sure. So we we made the typical um, mistake that most entrepreneurs will make: is we try to be everything to everyone. Yeah. Um, we thought as long as we can have what people need people will want us it's not that way for anybody who's listening to this and thinks I want to start my own business don't be a a mile wide and an inch Mm. deep where you do a hundred things quite well just be an inch wide and a mile deep just do one thing better than anybody else ideally in the world if not in your country if not in your city if not in your market do you know what I mean so Um, I made the mistake of trying to be too much.
0: And that's Um, a truth bomb right there. That's (laughs) that's truth bombs.
1: So for me it was about, this year was about stay in our lane, what am I the best in the world at? I am the best in the world at selling, at negotiating, and at teaching people to be able to do that for themselves. Um, So we tripled down on that, we removed every single service we offered that wasn't that, and now all we do is offer sales and business training, 80% 80% just being straight selling mm-hmm. and we offer that in a digital and a physical format. Yeah, yeah,
0: fantastic. And so what's a what give us a typical day? What's what's Jack doing a day? What time do you get up? Yep. What time do you you know, have breakfast. Just give us, give us a day yeah, in the life.
1: Cool for sure. Um, four a.m. Empire. Um, so yeah. I wake up at four fifty-five every single mm-hmm. day. As long as it's got the number four in yeah. front of it, I tried to go to wake it up at four a.m. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, I don't know that fifty-five minutes just yeah. makes a total difference yeah. to me psychologically. But yeah. as long as I wake up when it says four at the front, then I consider myself to be in the four a.m. Empire. Yeah, and um, I think that's the time of the day that the most successful people are, have ever been exposed to they're, up, they're out they're active
0: 100%. between 4.55 and 5 yeah yeah. yeah. I think I,
1: I would like I used to be 6 o'clock yeah. you know was big to me and then I learned like the Robin Sharma um, yeah. you know Anthony Robbins um, methodology and it was yeah. kind of like okay what is the difference between 6 and 5 yeah the difference is going to bed 30 minutes early that's all it is and people say to me oh but i I can't i wouldn't be able to fall asleep at 10 o'clock at night wake up at 4 o'clock and i guarantee you you will be awake you'll be asleep at 10 o'clock at night you know so first things up um for me although discipline can lack at times um Mm -hmm. you know and i would say that all in or out mentality um when I'm having, I'm at my elite performance level. I am in the gym by five ten, so that literally yeah. means four fifty-five. Get up, put the clothes on, brush yeah. the teeth, straight, get in the car. Straight I'm eight hundred meters away. I probably should walk or run, yeah. but drive to the <laughs> drive to the gym, um, and then from five o'clock until six o'clock. It's not even about, like, I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm not trying to run a marathon. I'm just engaging the metabolic rate, getting the endorphins rolling.
0: It's so you can perform at your job, and perform at your- your, For sure, for sure, like shaking cobwebs. You know, like,
1: get the cobwebs out. But also, that's my, pretty much the only hour of the day I Mm. get on my own. Mm.
0: You know, the other thing it is too, and this is what I really, this is why I go to the gym is, you get an hour and you walk away with an accomplishment before most people are woken for up. For sure,
1: for sure. Yeah. I mean like, I'm fortunate enough that, um, you know one of the, the co-owners of our business, um, uh, somebody called Steve Baxter, um, that a lot of people are familiar mm-hmm. with, one of the guys that's on Shark Tank. He starts every single day and because of that military background, yeah. he makes his bed and shines his shoes, yeah. right? And it's yeah. the same. He said to me, every single day before yeah. I leave my house, I've accomplished something. I've yeah. made my bed and I've shined my shoes. Yeah. And I'm like, I get that because you've been in the army for yeah. 10 years, yeah. you know? Um, so for me, it's getting in getting into the gym. As soon as I leave, it's about hitting water. So mm-hmm. previously, when I lived in Surface Paradise, the ocean was on my doorstep. Mm-hmm. I would get in the ocean, um probably. I believe Australians take that for granted. If you come from Birmingham, and and anybody who knows where that is, um, if the ocean's on your doorstep, you will get in that water, you know? But now, I'm fortunate enough, I've got my own private pool at my property, so it's a case of kind of get back to the house, strip off, get in the pool, um, and then it's shower, change, get up, get at it. So yeah. I've been changing, I previously used to do my education, so I tried to educate myself for a minimum of 20 minutes in the morning. Yeah. That might be by watching a video of one of my favourite influencers, reading yeah. a book, listening to a podcast, yeah. whatever it might be. I've started realising that, why am I sitting at home doing that when I have a, a 20 minute commute to my office? Yeah. It would make more sense to educate myself on the move. On the, on the move yeah. um, so I pull up at the office most days, somewhere between 6.30 and 6.45. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I work in the same building you do, yeah. and I will credit that you were a massive inspiration to move my day forward. Yeah. Um, I actually set my goal each week was to start beating you into the office. (laughs) It used to be beat you every day. And then I realised, actually, I've got to the end of the week and I haven't beat you once. So then, Like any macro goal you're not achieving, you need to make that goal micro. It was just beat you once. Just get in once before you. Okay, once I did that, like any change, I formed it and then I normed it. So if 6.30 or 6.20 means I beat you in, then... I have got
0: to be here at six twenty every single day. I like that. You formed it and then normed it. That's, yeah, that's good. I'm stealing it. Yeah, I'm that.
1: <laughs> um, and I think it's literally that. It's form, norm, storm. Yeah. So I, I formulate something. Right now, it's tough because it's different to me. I've never done it before. Yeah. I make it normal. Now I accept it. I embody it. I know what it tastes like. I know what it yeah. feels like. Now I can actually use it to my benefit. I can storm against yeah. it. So, um, again, that sort of six thirty in the office till eight o'clock is probably the most it's productive, productive time of yeah. the day. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm a big believer in having to-do lists. So, my to-do list always has two levels to it: urgent and important, mm-hmm. right? I used to have urgent and non-urgent. Non-urgent shit just never gets done, yeah. right? So I changed it to urgent and important. What I choose to do every single day is initially start my day by saying, "Today I can achieve seven things." Take five from the urgent list and two from the important list, yeah. and that's how I start my day. Yeah. I always look at what's the most challenging thing in the day. What's the thing I want to do least?
0: Yeah. I do that first. You know what's funny is. We're going to do these interviews with so many people, and we're going to hear the same stuff, because this exact same stuff, you know, Andy Frizzella has what's called a power list, Uh, and it's it's, it's so interesting that the time of day you wake up, the fact that you listen to 20 minutes to 30 minutes of something, something educational every day, it's exactly what I do and what I preach to all my staff and anyone, for that matter. It's just amazing that we've only got to, what, 8.30 now? Yep. And we pretty much live the same life pattern as, as, as pretty much anyone else sure. that, that's in this position. Sure. So this is, this is the whole point of this, yeah. this podcast. And, and I think it was
1: it probably, like, I don't like to laud certain characters because it's very cliche. And obviously, yeah. Monday, Tuesday this week in Brisbane, Success yeah. Resources have brought Anthony Robbins over yeah. here. And, but when I was introduced to modeling, when I truly <coughs> understood that success is not an accident, mm-hmm. success is an outcome uh-huh. of predetermined
0: actions. 100%.
1: I started to realise that actually anybody is capable of it. Uh-huh. All you've got to do is find someone who holds the success that you're looking to achieve and replicate yeah. whatever it yeah. it is there in doing whatever industry business. that you're passionate about. That's it. Yeah. And then it was okay. Well, let me analyse. And I chose my ten biggest influences globally yeah. that I think hold the success I'm seeking to achieve. Yeah. And I just obsessed and over understanding their lifestyle. Yeah. Once I understood their lifestyle, I found yeah. what the commonalities yeah. were and I applied them to yeah. mine. So. Um, from there, yeah, it, look for me. 8:30 till five o'clock is supporting and assisting my team. I think mm-hmm. a good leader leads through presence. They lead yeah. through, um, they, they lead by example. Yeah. Um, and I am involved in the operational tasks that make my business tick. Yeah, what I'm doing more and more is I've come I've come through the stage of business that I call crisis of delegation. Yeah, I for a long time didn't know how to tell somebody else to do it without yeah. doing it myself. Yeah. Um, Managed to get exposed to the agency theory, Um, an FBI study from 1928 that says if somebody can do it 80% as well as you can, just delegate it to, Uh them, educate them into the other 20%. Um, So now I'm running into the next stage of business, which is called the crisis of control. (laughs) If you tell somebody else to do it and they decide what method they want to do that in, you now can't tell them that you think they should do it differently um, because you've given them the power to make the decisions. And, and,
0: And what's interesting too in those instances is you've got an arbitrary idea of how it should be done yes and someone else's idea might be different but you've got exactly the same outcome in yep. the end but a lot of people that can't give up control can't allow someone to actually get to the same definite place definitely
1: yeah. and, and you know that's that's apparent in all things, whether that's mm. delegating responsibilities socially in the construction of an event, whether it's in your home life. Yeah. you know, um, looking at tasks that need to be completed, such as whether it's paying bills, whether it's completing any necessary housework, cleaning, yeah. washing, whatever it might be. Yeah, like communication is the key to a good relationship. Yeah. Period. But you have to empower the person that's yeah. taking the action yeah. because otherwise, you create almost paralysis by analysis and 100%. fear exists that if I make the wrong decision I'm going to be reprimanded for that yeah. most people will make no decision yeah. at all now I don't own a business now I just work for myself yeah. if that makes yeah. sense So, yeah. um, but then five, five o'clock passes um, and generally five until s- 7, I try to get out of the office at 7, often that can become 7.30, but I try to to make it 7 where possible, Um, and really what am I doing in those last two hours is now... um, concluding anything that operationally has presented itself throughout the day but also the last hour is writing tomorrow's list so yeah. when I arrive here in this office at 6.30 I don't spend the first hour preparing the day yeah. I actually prepare tomorrow as the last thing I do yeah. yesterday what I found that's helped me with is the ability to switch off mm-hmm. when all you're doing all night is repeating what you need to do tomorrow and you're dwelling in yeah. it because you don't have it documented yeah. that's when the switching off process becomes yeah. very difficult when I know I've left this office here today and my, my list is prepared I actually am deciding most of the time to leave the laptop at work Mm -hmm. I come home I disable my emails Mm -hmm. so that I do not receive an email until I wake up the next morning and don't get me wrong I still use social media I still speak to friends I still watch videos and podcasts and and things like that I still text my mates whatever it might be FaceTime the UK but most of the time in the last six months I've become far better at work, is at work, yeah. and home is at home. Yeah, so fantastic. with that being the case, I still work Saturday mornings. Yeah. Um, Saturday again is just f- when I actually do the macro plan for yeah. the next week. Yeah. Sometimes that can be for the next month or the next yeah. quarter, depending on where we're at in the cycle. Um, but I can't I can't do it at home. Yeah. I can't sit yeah. in, it doesn't matter if yeah. it's a home say. office. Yeah. Yeah, it still has the word "home" in yeah. front of it. Work is for work. Come yeah. in, get in at seven, finish it by eleven, eleven thirty. Yeah. On a Saturday, still got the entire yeah. Saturday yeah. to myself thereafter. Yeah. You know, yeah. so um, at the moment I'm sort of sixty nine hours a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people say to me, "Why? Why are you doing sixty nine hours? You know, you. And I mean this in the least obnoxious way possible, but I could stop working for the next ten years and yeah. I would <laughs> never need to have another income. Yeah. You know, yeah. but. I do it because I'm genuinely yeah. passionate about Tell it. Tell me about, about
0: it. when when do you when do you write your goals? Because you're doing a lot of planning, and obviously, being successful, yeah, you, you yeah. write your goals yeah, like everyone else
1: for sure. So I've got five levels to my goals. Um, I have what I call my life musts. I don't call them life goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think goals are something you're aiming to achieve. Uh-huh. A must is something you have okay. to do.
0: That's a good. That's a good one. That's um, another truth bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Raining on you. Raining.
1: Um, but then I have. So that's my long-term goal. I actually classify that less as a goal and more of a vision. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think a vision is permanent, but goals Mm -hmm. are temporary. Mm -hmm. Goals are milestones to achieving a vision. Um, I then have what I call my mid-term goals, which are my yearly and my um, monthly goals. Mm -hmm. And then I have what I call my short-term goals, which are weekly and daily. So I have day, week, month, year, life. And I make sure that every single day, whatever I'm turning my hand to today is serving the week yeah. so I might have five goals for a week well I'm just going to do one of them today Well yeah. today served the week I might have ten goals for a month well I'm going to do five of them this week my week serving my month I've got Great. ten goals for the year I'm going to do one of them this month my month yeah. serving my year and my year probably has one of my macro life goals inside it so yeah. every single day like today yeah. I served my life Fantastic by fulfilling the goals yeah. that I'd set out yesterday afternoon
0: another, another subject a little bit off into the I suppose negative side a little yep. bit how do you deal with fear?
1: Yeah, Um, I've realized that fear is humanistically controlled. And mm. most of the time, what people are fearing is the worst case scenario. But yeah. in a lot of life circumstances, such as business, if you fail in business, you go back to work for somebody, mm. such as moving to a different country. If you yeah. move to a different country and you fail, you move back home. Yeah. So when I realized that in 99% of circumstances, the worst case scenario is the scenario I already exist in, mm. Then what is fear? Yeah. Um, you know, I had a great acronym that I used to have above my desk. I don't anymore, and it's making me think, wonder why I don't. But I used to have fear. Forget everything can run, or yeah. fear face everything can rise. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned to love mistakes. I don't know. Am mm. I not, are we swearing on this? Yeah. Yeah, Do you know can swear, it, man. Yeah. Like I love the fuck ups. Yeah. Like, my fuck ups are where my biggest lessons have ever yeah. come from. So yeah. So I've actually done the opposite. to... Uh, Fearing fear, I'm actually obsessed with my own yeah. fears because yeah. the more times I fuck up, the better I become. Well, you know,
0: you know what's interesting is—is is I'm a hundred percent of the belief that everything good in life is on the other side of a door worth full of fear. For sure, hundred percent. Like you look at skydiving, you look at a business, you look at going to speak to a girl or a guy at a bar. Yeah, you're scared shitless before you go, and then you do, and and everything good in life is yep. behind that door Definitely. of fear and you got to jump and
1: whether it. you need to jump out of a plane whether you need to walk over hot coals mm. um, you know whether you need to go and approach somebody in a bar you know yeah. whether you need to tweet Miranda Kerr and ask her for yeah. a date you know <laughs> whatever, whatever it is yeah. growth exists on the other side of your comfort zone yeah. and I think that you need to keep expanding your own self belief because the more that you believe yourself to be capable of doing, the more you can do. Mm. You know, it literally goes back to Henry Ford if you, if you think you can, you can. Yeah. If you think yeah. you can't, you can't. Yeah. I have never obsessed over something and not achieved it.
0: Yeah. And I'm yeah. not
1: saying that makes me superhuman. What I'm saying is, well, Adidas told us impossible was nothing. Yeah. You know, And I genuinely, wholeheartedly believe, right now, if you're telling me it's gonna take me seven years to qualify as a doctor, I don't even have a high school diploma, but tell me it takes seven years to qualify as a doctor, and I've gotta follow this path, and I've gotta obsess over it, I'm gonna be the the best surgeon in this country because you can outlearn any problem in your life fear is a problem yeah. but when you accept the worst case scenario and realise it's not too different to the position you already exist in, you have everything to yeah. gain and nothing to lose.
0: You know another strategy that I use as well um, and we'll talk about setbacks mm. but when it comes to fear and and also, well let, let's go into setbacks and then I'll, I'll go to where I'm going to, Yeah. let's give us a time where things have gone not so right for yep. you and what's your strategy in dealing with something that's not Gone right Yeah, for, you. for
1: sure, for sure. Like um, setbacks are everywhere. Yeah. You know, setbacks. Are, I had a setback today. I've yeah. put a hundred and forty-five thousand dollar training proposal on, mm. on the desk of Westpac, mm-hmm. and I've lost that to a different organisation. Yeah. I classify that as a setback. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but if you look at kind of life-changing setbacks, mm. um, my mother being diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. um, losing a grandparent, um, splitting up with a life partner, yeah. um, maybe going insolvent in business. like mm. our, the, My problem I had with solar power was I was selling too much. Yeah. We were selling more systems than we had.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: So when you have a supply issue and you've been taking people's money and you've been telling them that four to six weeks from now they're gonna receive your product and all of a sudden yeah. it's been four to six months and they still yeah. don't because you can't get the panels distributed from China quick enough. I actually now was insolvent because I had to refund all of those people their capital whilst yeah. I'd already paid for the panels that were on route, right? Yeah. Um, it's a lonely place, Yeah. right? Yeah. Setbacks are, especially for the egotistical male that does mm-hmm. not know how to display their own emotions. Yeah. When you don't have a business partner, when you don't have a mentor or a coach that you believe understands you, or even a friend that's on your level of acumen, it's a lonely place. So what I think you need to do is, you need to birth the problem. And for me what that was is to write it down. The more I wrote it down, the more life I gave it. I almost made the problem a human. I Mm -hmm. I gave it energy and Mm -hmm. I created form around Mm -hmm. it. Then I would speak to it. I would ask it why, when, how, who, Uh what. And after I'd accepted the reason why I was in the position I was in today, because nothing happens by chance, mm. right? I promise you, nothing happens mm. by chance. Almost everything in life happens by choice. And when I realized it was the choices I had made that had led me to the position I was in today, I actually felt more resourceful and equipped than I ever had yeah. done before, because in hindsight, which is always twenty twenty, yeah. I now understood how I would deal with that situation differently. So I now felt resourceful, and I thought if I did this again, I won't fail again. Yeah. So at that point, what I realized is I'm not going to be judged on how, on how hard I fall. Yeah. I'm going to be judged on how quickly I can get the fuck back up yeah. and, and do yeah. it again, yeah. right? So um, that to me was empowering. Yeah. Um, it was insightful. And I look at a setback and say, in, in life, the setbacks you've had have actually given you the tools that yeah. you're using
0: tomorrow. So what's interesting is I, I, I did a post yesterday about taking responsibility, right? Yeah. And... So what you're effectively doing is taking responsibility and by doing that, it empowers you because you're forgetting about what happened and working about how to fix it, right? But another thing that I I talk about as well is when you have things go wrong, it's just a chapter in your book. So I picture my life as a as a big book yep. and at the moment I'm on chapter three for sure I've got a lot of chapters to go yep. and there's been wins and losses and all of sorts of things in there of course. but whenever I'm going through a bad time I detach myself worth. worth yes. from the event and I think this is what most people do wrong is they their self worth is based on their failures for sure instead of detaching the resources that, they claim that 100% yeah, yeah, 100% definitely
1: and I think even Disney stories like if you want to watch Beauty and the Beast mm. or Bambi or Cinderella mm. or Sleeping Beauty yeah. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs that is always the chapter there's yeah. always the period where things look like they're not going to go their way yeah. you know you watch any Spider-Man or Batman yeah. or Marvel or DC yeah Life is not supposed to just be perfect because mm. you need the down to respect the up, mm-hmm. right? You don't know what high feels like unless yeah. you've been loved. That's you so know. Cool. And I'll, I think I feel like I'm quoting a Passenger song, yeah. but um, <laughs> you know, it's it's so true. You, if you live in a state of equilibrium or homeostasis, yeah. then what you actually are doing is succumbing to a life of mediocrity. Yeah. To me, good is the enemy of great, but. In 2018, more than ever, especially with our youth, it's okay to just be okay. Mm, I think mm, okay is bullshit. Yeah, if you're yeah. anything less than great, yeah. then you're never going to be yeah. in the 1% of people that shape the world that we live in. 100 That's what I got in this for. Great. I got in this to create a legacy and to yeah. build structures that are used by the masses.
0: Fantastic. We're just gonna take a quick, quick break. All right, so let's talk about leadership and what's what's your what's your leadership style what do you how do you you know how do you manage your staff you mentioned it a little bit before but what are the key let's call it the key three concepts around leadership that that you think are important for anyone to take away and
1: for sure i mean the one thing i'll definitely make clear in this is i'm 26 years of age um, and i'm growing and evolving as a leader Um, one thing i definitely am is a great technician um, but i don't think leadership comes in a book i don't think it comes in a bottle i think it comes over time through experiences, so the leadership style I initiate today definitely isn't the leadership style I've used for the last six or seven years, you know, it's been a growing evolving beast, but if I was to say three things that really stand out for me is consistency and not playing favourites, right, Mm. everybody in an office knows you're naturally going to gravitate socially towards one person over another. Yeah. You're gonna have more in common as a leader with one person than another. Um, maybe a gender, maybe an age group, yeah. maybe a socioeconomic status, maybe yeah. social beliefs, right? But one thing I think is really important is you you, you cannot display that or show that Monday to Friday, 8.30 till five, yeah. you know? so. Um, I think every situation should be dealt with circumstantially. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't
0: matter if you're my top producer or my worst. So you're taking the person out of the... For
1: sure, I don't care if you've been with me for a week or you've been with me for 10 years, Mm -hmm. right? That's irrelevant. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. We have a code of conduct that says, if you do not conform, this is going to be the outcome. And sometimes it may be a close companion of yours. They may have started as a colleague, they've grown to be a genuine friend but you've still got to do what is right by your business in that circumstance. So that would be really important to me um, in terms of being a leader. Um, Other leadership qualities I think are um, tell people less and show people more. I think we're more than ever a visual and kinesthetic Mm -hmm. learning generation. So don't just tell me what I should do show me you yeah. know expose me to it yeah. and i'd say never ask someone to do something that you're not willing to do yourself like yeah. at times if my office isn't being kept clean i will clean
0: it yeah
1: i clean it once and then it isn't it it's never dirty for another yeah. three four five yeah. months so as
0: people saw you do it for
1: sure like i'll yeah. empty a bin yeah. i'll walk out and i'll empty a bin yeah and i see why are we crushing things into a bin when it's as simple as pull it out tie the knot put it out the front yeah. and it will get dealt with yeah. so i think instead of of saying do this do this do this yeah. I just do it yeah and unconsciously people will match that standard yeah. I think that's similar with yeah. with how I choose to dress you know yeah. like anyone who knows me in my social life I'm not yeah. a suit and tie guy yeah. like I'm a vest and baseball cap yeah. and a pair of yeah. Jordans <laughs> kind of person you yeah. know what I mean but um if I conduct myself that way in my workplace I'm making it subconsciously acceptable yeah. to be the same yeah. so I think that's really really important to me yeah. is, to, is to do that Um, But above and beyond, I think you've got to inspire people, Uh you know, people are looking for someone they can aspire to. You know, uh,
0: on that note, I've got a great saying with that. Never let your staff catch up to your vision. No way. Your vision has to outpace your staff and anyone else really, for that matter, by miles.
1: Definitely.
0: Everyone needs room to grow into. And you can't be the guy that that's... You, you, you can't be that dead end. If if your no. vision is is where your staff are at, you're yeah, You're
1: done, and they'll leave you. Yeah, and they they'll, will. They'll find the next inspiration. Yeah. So, I believe that a business will never outgrow its leader. So, yeah. You, if you want the business to grow, you've got to grow. If you want them to learn, you need to go to training days. Yeah. You know. So, I've always thought that my energy is infectious, and however I conduct myself is how my team will conform. Yeah. Um, If I was to give one more tip, I'd probably say um, inside your office, um, inside the working environment, don't always just solve your team's problems. Don't just give them the answers because for as long as you have the answers, Mm. they're going to keep coming to you for them. And I've kind of learned more of a management style that I would call guided discovery. So when they ask me for an answer, I just ask them a different question. Yeah. And sometimes it takes two or three or five or even 15 questions for them to eventually go, I think I've answered my own question. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'd probably say the bigger your team gets, don't always just be a firefighter. For as long as Mm. you keep putting out fires, they'll keep calling you when there is one. Build a fire break educate and empower people to make their own yeah. decisions. So I implement something called the continuous cycle of improvement. What that means is that inside my office there are no managers. I believe managers are the most overpaid and underworked people in the office. Mm-hmm. And what they're often looking is for someone who's doing something wrong. Yeah. Where I believe the key to management is catching people doing things right. Yeah. When you catch them doing it right, lord it, celebrate mm-hmm. it in front of everybody mm-hmm. and now everybody will want to receive that praise yeah. so they'll then do it yeah. right. Um, but I think as opposed to constantly um, having a manager there to solve a problem, we, we implement something that we call practical problem solving. So um, if you were to look at the House of Kaizen, House of Kaizen yeah. suggests that your business is built across four levels. At the bottom is its philosophy, then yeah. is its processes, then is its product, yeah. then is its people, and, and the people being the ability for those people to practical problem solve. So we say, if they come to me and they say, ah, oh, what should I do? I say, what do you think you should mm-hmm. do? Whatever that answer is, even if I know it's wrong, unless it's going to have a critical effect on my yeah. business or you know lose a big deal, I'll just let them do it. I'll yeah. let them make the mistake. But what I ask my team to do is to document every decision they make. So I say, make a decision to the best of your ability with the resources you have at the disposal at that time. So whatever you think's best, roll with it. Yeah. But I want you to document it. We have a meeting every single morning from 8.30 to 9.30. We call it our WIP, our work in progress. Mm-hmm. And in that meeting, you're supposed to bring the decision you made yesterday. And as a team, we will collaborate on how would we have handled that situation. Yeah. Then I, as the chairperson, will make an executive decision mm-hmm. that in the future, yeah. should that challenge arise, every single person in this room will conduct ourselves or will act in this way. Yeah. We write a plan. Then we wait for the chance to do it. Sometimes that's a day later, sometimes Mm -hmm. that's a year later. But once we've done it, we have to document it again. We bring it back, and we discuss the outcome. We say, okay, now that we did that plan, what was the outcome? So we check it. If we check it and it worked, we standardize it. What I mean by standardize it is we build it into our training program. So now, any person who joins our company in the future knows that challenge is met by that action. If it didn't work, we go back to plan. So we plan, do, check, plan, do, check, plan, do, check. And when you've nailed it, we standardise it into the training programme. And I feel by having people who are Mm self-managed, they're empowered, and they start to find their most resourceful state because fight or flight says when you have no other option you'll just yeah. make a decision. Yeah. You know, when you back's up against the rope, you'll throw punches. Yeah.
0: So that's cool. Yeah. And and tell them tell me a little bit about culture and your beliefs around obviously you've got a culture of collaboration For and sure. you've got a culture of people standing up and making their own decisions. For sure. What other what other aspects of culture do you do you believe and find important?
1: For sure. I think culture's king. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the most successful businesses globally that have stood the test of time, yeah. that have gone through economic or recessional patterns and have survived have been the people that have been culture-led. Because it's easy to have an office where everybody's having fun when things are going their way. It's when things aren't going our way that we truly find out how loyal this group of people are to the cause and to the vision. So, I think culture is something, for me, I always use the terminology, and it was John McGrath that said, culture cannot be taught, culture has to be caught. Mm -hmm. Culture is like an infection. I can't just walk in and say, love your job today, be happier, right? Happiness is just caught through the energy of those that are surrounding you. So um, for me, culture is about, don't sweat the small stuff. Right, Mm -hmm. like the one percenters that your staff aren't doing right don't pick them up every single time let it go it's not like you and your partner you know like maybe it's us leaving the toilet seat up and (laughs) maybe it's them leaving their nail varnish in my kitchen drawer or whatever it might be right but don't sweat the small stuff Mm. because when you sweat the small stuff a bit like the boy who cried wolf the Mm. big stuff will never matter Mm. right Mm. so I think culture is about Letting things go sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think culture is about being inclusive. I think it's really important that people have both a professional and a social relationship. Yeah. So once a month, once a quarter, yeah. um, get your staff out mm. of the office. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a game of bowling, a bit of yeah. paintballing. Yeah. Um, we went and did um, throwing axes at a yeah. wall the other cool. week. Um you know, it might be go-karting, yeah. it may be a day out on a boat together, yeah. it may just be a restaurant, it may be a bloody game of footy in the park yeah. or yeah, a picnic, yeah. you know, yeah. it doesn't you might be thinking, I'm a small business. I don't have the budget for this. I respect that, but we yeah. all started there. Yeah. Do you yeah, know what 100%. I mean? Invite people over to your house. Let yeah. them into your, pers- your personal world. And that's world. what we, that's
0: what I did when yeah. when we started. It was house or barbecue? Get barbecue. Yeah. Get some sausages. Put on a barbecue. Buy a pack from Coles or Woolworths, yeah. and it costs you five bucks yeah. for some yeah. sausages. But yeah. I really believe that having a social aspect outside of the workplace that your staff can get involved in is so important, and also. I also think my, my biggest theory with culture is that is that people can work a job mm-hmm. and get paid anywhere for sure there's lots of them for sure but then it's the things you do that aren't the pay no. that will keep people with you yes. and that's called culture and it's the things you do for them such as doing a barbecue or going for a lunch or having a taking your two top guys or taking a guy that's most improved for a a dinner or giving a voucher for $20 so little things matter and I really believe that Doing those sorts of things above and beyond someone's pay, even if it was twenty dollars worth, It's massive. And change. they'll remember it for a 100%. long And they'll
1: talk about it for a long, long time. And around. I don't
0: think money is the best option. I think experience. Is.
1: I actually mean, the t- I believe the total opposite, especially in sales. Like mm. if you're running a good sales team and you've got a good product and they're good at what they do, they're yeah. earning a shitload of money. They have got anyway, the money, right? right? So they can go and buy. For me two things, intrinsic motivation, where they feel like they're actually contributing to something or they're making a difference in the world, really powerful. Being a part of a team, like, in our whole teenage years, we just wanted to be accepted. We just wanted someone to like us, someone to love us, and we wanted our friends to be loyal. We can create that in the work environment, Mm. you know? But on the other side to, to that is that it's, Giving them a gift or a present or an incentive that they otherwise wouldn't buy for themselves, 100%, you know. 100%. Like, I, I always tell this story that back in two thousand and twelve, I went to a closing down sale of a watch store, and mm-hmm. I went and bought six watches. They were like, Michael Kors, uh-huh. Hugo Boss, Armani, yeah. Yeah. that kind of three to five hundred dollar watch. Yeah, right, yeah. but I managed to buy six of them for a thousand bucks. So I paid like hundred and sixty bucks a watch. Yeah. I've got 30 sales guys and I'm putting up an incentive of one of them per week. Yeah. That's 32 bucks a working day. Yeah. That's $1 yeah. per operator. Uh-huh. I couldn't buy them a well a 7-Eleven maybe, but I couldn't buy them a <laughs> cup of bloody coffee. Yeah. <laughs> they spend yeah. more on tea bags in a yeah. week yeah. than this watch was costing yeah. me, right?
0: But it's knowing that it was there. Yeah. I've got a
1: 40% upside in performance. Yeah. There you go. Right? Because If there's anything I know about salespeople, they're competitive Uh motherfuckers, right? 100%. And for me, I know that money was the natural byproduct of being the number one performer. I cared about one thing, and that was that glass trophy. Those trophies cost 100 bucks. But every month, that glass went on my desk. (laughs) And when I managed in this country, the only time I worked for somebody to be salesperson of the month, nine months in a row, and I started building pyramids out of my (laughs)
0: trophies, trophies.
1: (laughs) it didn't matter that I'd earned a quarter of a million dollars. Like, money was money's money like yeah. there, there is an equity line I believe somewhere between having about half or three quarters of a million dollars uh-huh. where' having three quarters of a million dollars and having three million dollars yeah. doesn't actually 100%. change your psychology
0: we'll get you back and we'll talk about that because yeah. that's a that's a huge I've got I've got different levels that I tell yep. people are there other are levels and then you've got this above that which you're not buying stuff you need no and you know but we'll we'll talk about that sure, in a lot of detail sure. I think so I one think
1: culture is about little and often like yeah. can you and and I'm talking about like send a group email to everybody yeah. in the staff saying this one person did something really yeah. above and beyond today yeah and everybody starts walking out going god yeah. I did first i didn 't even know you did it, and yeah. that must have felt great the the, yeah. the the owner sending you an email like yeah. that that costs you nothing, mm-hmm. but the actual culture equity inside it is enormous 100%. stop catching people doing things wrong, start catching people doing things right don 't sweat sweat the small stuff and little and often little and often every day reward someone with something yeah. that might have been the equivalent to one percent of your wage bill. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But the, again i call it cultural equity. Yeah. I think it's huge.
0: And 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 make it an experience, not cash. For sure. Because I got cash. So And, and just memories. You yeah. Know, like exactly. that
1: day I came to I mean you did it to me. I don't even yeah. work for you, but you, you <laughs> took me um to the VIP lounge at yeah. the Gold Coast Suns, you picked me up in a limousine. Yeah. It, um I'll never forget that day. Yeah, yeah. And I will be forever indebted. To, I will be forever loyal. I don't mm-hmm. want to say indebted, but I will forever be loyal to whatever cause. Like when you call yeah. me today to say, can I come and give you an hour of my time yeah. for this? I can give you an hour of my day every day yeah. because you have now connected with me yeah. on far more than a financial day. Yeah, fantastic.
0: Sure. What's the vision? Where, where's Jack going? What's uh, give, us, give us the next 12 to 24 months. Where, where are you going? What's your... What's the big plans? Any yep. new businesses? Yeah. Where are we where are we looking. For
1: sure. I mean for me, um, it's more about building verticals out of the businesses I mm-hmm. already have. So yeah. um at the moment obviously I've got the, the training business. Mm-hmm. Um I want to start actually niching down uh-huh. on that. Um so that would be involving having just for medical professionals, just for uh-huh. legal professionals, just for So you create
0: different verticals for those specific
1: for for sure, yeah. yeah. So um kind of niching down to scale yeah, up. If yeah, that makes yeah, sense, yeah. Um, in that circumstance, um, I want—I'm going to—I remove the word want. I'm mm. going to start having more like 250 to 300 attendees at my fortnightly freemium events. Okay. Um, taking my freemium um, education national, so we're going to start. Okay. Running, we will start running some road shows, Yeah, cool. um, Start to have a presence in more than just the Gold Coast and Brisbane. Yeah. Um, but. 24 month macro goal for ISR training Mm -hmm. is to be the number one sales training organization in the country. Um, So just Australia's number one. At the moment, we are Gold Coast's number one. We will be Australia's number one um, in two years' time. And the world's number one in five years' time. So we very much keep, at the moment, Grant Cardone is probably recognized as the number number one sales trainer in the world. Um, When you type in sales training, um, we will appear in the first three in Google. He will Uh still probably be one of them, but I, expect to start stealing a large portion of his market share um, because we're far more ethical we're far more honest and our training is is far more practical and and actually works in the real world as opposed to just being cliches that work in role play Um, Mm -hmm. they work in practicality so um that would be that side, I mean we have a digital training program, Um, it's $249 per week to have 25 users, so starting to attack more the medium size all the way up to corporate enterprises, Uh and having people subscribing at that level, um, when we have 1,000 businesses on board, um, we'll be doing $12.5 million um, residual equity, um, with a 90% margin on that product, Um, and that will be the point with ISR, um, where three years or four years in total from um, the turning of July 1 so that would be June 30, 2022 Mm -hmm. um, the investors I've brought on board with our business we have a projection to be doing $64 million gross revenue at a 40% margin um, and the aim is to actually publicly list that business at that stage so um, that And what's the goal
0: of the public listing? What what are you going to gain from that equity? You know cash to do? Where's
1: International scale So uh, at that stage we're still an Australian business Mm -hmm. and we may be an Australian and New Zealand business um, but now we we go into all four con or we go into the four continents that we're targeting, yep. um, and we just we replicate the model. Right? Yeah, yep, fantastic is the purpose, for sure. Um, the other the other business, um, Corbwood and Associates, which is an investment property advisory mm-hmm. firm. At the back of that is to actually build my own insurance company and my own. Um, mortgage brokerage, um, also to have more um, in the superannuation space, so that I can offer a more holistic approach to wealth creation. Mm -hmm. Um, The subsidiary then out the back of that is to follow one of my passions. Um, I love to develop land and and to build properties um, and start to use my own stock, the properties that I'm building, as the supply to the investment. Yeah, Um, so you you, you control the whole process. The whole process, so all the way from generating leads, and the marketing through mm-hmm. to sales, through to um, the advice followed by property insurance, finance, superannuation, and, and continuation of services thereafter.
0: Yep. One, one, one last question before we do a little word association. Yep. What's the purpose? What's the intention? What's what's what what drives you? Why? what's the motive, why do you do what you do?
1: For sure, two, two sides to that then. Um, I believe I've created a business around my two whys, my two purposes, mm-hmm. so on the training side is to totally and utterly change the stigma that revolves around sales. I mm-hmm. want to educate people and, and allow them to understand that you do not have to bully, manipulate, or lie mm-hmm. to people to get mm-hmm. them to buy something from you when you represent a high quality product. Yep. Um, I want people to take control of their own income and I want people to have the confidence that if you are passion fueled and you are living life on purpose, then you should start your own business, Mm -hmm. you should create your own entity, and you should learn from those that have been successful in doing it previously. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, helping people to become the greatest version of themselves and entirely reconstructing the opinion of the world, not just Australia, the world, that when you hear salesperson, you hear the same as doctor, lawyer, Um, accountant because that will be an industry that is held in high regard due to the technicality and also the ethics that Mm -hmm. are associated to Mm -hmm. being a salesperson. On the other side is wealth creation. I want to take every mum and dad in australia that currently doesn't believe that being a multi-millionaire is possible mm. because mm. they do not have the professional skills mm. and show them that they don't have to work for their money when they can make their money work for them yeah. so by introducing them to low risk high growth investments yeah. um i want their children to have a better lifestyle um mm-hmm. than they would have been able to achieve without yeah. meeting me and why is that important to you? I guess because I didn't have it. Okay. Because we were born with very little. um, You know, I always tell a story, which is one of my fondest memories. A lot Mm. of people say, "How can you be fond of this?" But Mm. in the UK, in housing commission, you actually have to put coins in a meter to keep your electricity on. So you literally have to put the coins in to keep the lights on. And I remember one Christmas, um, my (coughs) father, who is not the he wasn't, wasn't the best man in the world, and I don't mm-hmm. knock him for that. He didn't mm-hmm. have an easy life either. He mm-hmm. was dragged from his parents. He grew up in social housing, so mm-hmm. he was taken from his parents at six years of age, um, has lived life very tough, um, in and out of prison, um, you know has never really had any success or wealth to speak of. Um, but he would often not pay my mother the child support payments that we yeah. needed to have the yeah. fundamentals that we needed in life, yeah. the basics so I remember my sister practicing on playing a recorder um, and we used to go out Christmas carol singing which is where yeah. you knock someone's door you'll sing them yeah. a Christmas song and yeah. they'll give you some coins you some money, for yeah. doing it so we would go into these more desirable areas in our city mm-hmm. and I remember doing that so that we could keep our the lights on our Christmas tree <laughs> on yeah. so we could have Christmas if we could yeah. bring Christmas spirit to other people um, and I guess because of that you can be happy with nothing, right? Mm. I know that, mm. I'm, I'm not a money basher. I'm never gonna mm. tell you money doesn't make you happy. Anyone who says that doesn't have any money, right? Uh-huh. Money does make you happier. <laughs> but I think you also can be happy without it. 100%. Um, and I think in that moment when I realized that had somebody have grabbed us as a family, taken how much passion we had, how mm-hmm. much desire to have more we yeah. had, and directed that energy down a path uh-huh. to abundance, then we wouldn't have struggled for as long as we did. So I want to take that experience, that passion, and mm-hmm. I want to help every family that's in the position we were to realize yeah. that you're actually just one or two yeah. good decisions away from
0: everything you've ever dreamt of. Man, that, that, that's gold, yeah. that's gold. All right, so let's do a little, lastly, we'll, we'll do a word association game. Cool. So uh, I've got 10 words, I think. Yep. So we'll start with gratitude. It's the first thing that comes to your head. Humble. Humble. Discipline
1: um control fear bullshit dreams um closer than you think
0: entrepreneur overused success simple money abundant challenges everywhere rich richer poor
1: change do something about it love the epitome of connection. Yeah, love love is love is why we're here.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. And I know you're a beautiful lady. Yeah as well.
1: Yeah. Very um look, my woman is my world. So yeah. Yeah. And your mum, by the way what you're yeah, saying for before
0: sure. too for sure. Uh so that's it for episode one. Awesome. We've jacked. Thanks for Thank coming you. along, Very man. That was that was absolutely amazing. Really I think it. there's a ton of truth bombs in there for, for everyone, sure. everyone to get something sure. out of. So yeah. Uh, how do they get in contact with you?
1: Um, so yeah, reach out to me on, on different social media handles, Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, but um, if not, ISR Training, um, mm-hmm. or Core Board and Associates, throw it into Google. Um, always love to collaborate, and yep. if it is, speaking to me directly is something that creates a little bit of anxiety because you're not sure what you would ask me um then we run a totally free of charge seminar on mindset wealth creation sales and entrepreneurship every fortnight so just jump onto eventbrite meetup or go onto our website and um you'll find where you'll be able to meet me
0: fantastic man well this has awesome. been great Thank hopefully everyone much. got a lot out of it yeah. and if you like this make sure you share it subscribe sure, do all your bits sure. and pieces for it because and if, if i
1: can just give one comment i will tell you that there is no destination. Stop seeking a position where you're going to be happy. Um, the destination is non-existent. Mm-hmm. Every time you walk further down the path, the distant the destination walks further away from mm-hmm. you. So enjoy every day for what it the holds. Process. Enjoy the game more than the result. Some win, yeah. some lose, but the fact that you were brave enough to put your boots on and play, I think, is
0: is the success in itself. On that note, pleasure. Thanks, Thanks, good my stuff. Mate. Appreciate it. Cheers.